In today's episode, we get to speak to Lisa Earl McLeod, an amazing entrepreneur, a lady who is inspirational in herself, who will talk us through her journey and all the ups and, to- ups and downs that she's been through to get to where she is today. So let's get started. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. It's Gul Khan here, your money mindset expert. And today I have the honor and the pleasure of speaking to Lisa Earl McLeod. Welcome, Lisa. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us. It's a pleasure having you here. So Lisa, please introduce yourself and tell us why I think you're so amazing. Oh, I should tell you why I'm amazing. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> That's hard for us women. Um, probably the thing that I'm the best known for is I am the author of a book called Selling with Noble Purpose, which has really changed the way a lot of large companies and small entrepreneurs market themselves. What a lot of people may not know is that that book was born out of one of the hardest periods of my life where I had, uh, we had a family business go bankrupt. And I had to learn how to sell myself and do it in a way that maintained the dignity and inspiration and values that I had always claimed were important to me. Wow, what a journey. And that's exactly what we'll be talking about today. So welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to have you. And you know, tell us more about you know, your, your journey. So how did you actually get started? So what was your background? So just give us a short snippet of, your, of how did you actually get into the point where you are right now? So tell us about your journey. So my background is I was a sales leader. I was a former salesperson, sales manager, former VP of sales. And I uh, then went to work for a sales consulting firm. And the thing that always fascinated me was the way that sales worked in terms of one person could say or do one thing and that would cause another person to act. And it was always fascinating to me from a psychological standpoint, from an economic standpoint. One of the things that I remember is from a young age, I was fascinated by sales, but it took me probably until my mid twenties before I realized that everyone else did not think sales was a noble profession. And I remember (laughs) Yeah, most people don't. Most people surprise, surprise. Right. And, you know, I came at it from a, from a very open hearted place and I had some spiritual background and was always a, a seeker of truth and justice and things like that. And so I thought sales went with that. Little did I know, most people did not think that. I remember I was at a party when I was graduating from college and my then boyfriend, who was a couple of years older than I am, and my husband now, was at, um, we were at a party at his boss's house. And his boss's wife asked the question, you ask everyone graduating from college, so do you have a job? And I'd been asked that, you know, for months. And I hate you. No, I don't. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I had just gotten a job the previous week. It was my dream job. I was going to be a sales rep for Procter & Gamble. And so she asked the question, do you have a job? And I say, yes, I'm going to be a sales rep. And she looks at me with this look in her eyes and she says, oh my. I can never do that. 
<laughs> and I thought when she was saying that, I thought, um, oh, she's like really impressed. Like if I told someone I'm going to be a firefighter and they said, oh, I could never do that. Or I'm going to be a trapeze artist. So I could never do that. I was so naive. I did not understand that what she meant was, oh my God, you're going to talk people into doing stuff? Into <laughs> buying things? Oh yeah. Oh, well, you, poor, you poor child. And so I never, I, I didn't get that until several years later. But it's kind of, you asked me about my journey. So I had long been in sales. I was a VP of sales. I ran a sales training company. And uh, during the recession, mm -hmm. uh, my husband owned a manufacturing business um, that we were heavily invested in with our own personal money. And I realized after it wasn't his business, it was our business. Yep. I found that out when it went belly up. And so we were in a spot um, where candidly, we had to declare bankruptcy during the wow. recession. And this is in 2009, 2010? 2010, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 2009, we were in the process of losing all our money. All right. I think we lost it all at 9 and 10, declared it in 11, and finally right. admitted it in 2011. And, and the reason I share this openly, I think it's become a really important point right, right now, in particular, mm. as we record this in the midst of, you know, a global this pandemic, pandemic yeah. an economic, um, you know, fallout. The reason I share this with people is I remember at the time thinking, I knew, you know, my life is not over. My financial future is not been declared by this yeah. event. I knew that. But my challenge was, how do I go forward? And at the time, I was a solo consultant, and the consultancy business was down, and I had tried to help him rally this business, so I, you know, my business was down. But I thought, how do I sell myself going forward mm. and do it in a way that I can feel really passionate and inspired and excited and not desperate? Right. Because I had always been that person who was passionate and excited and about selling, but I'd never been really desperate for money before. And so when those two came together, this enthusiasm and this excitement, but behind me was this gnawing desperation, like you got some college tuition to pay here, girlfriend. You better you make you better. Uh, yeah, how do you sound not desperate when you really do need money? I totally you understand really that completely. And so and so out of that, selling with noble purpose was born. The wow. idea and then the book and then the methodology and the consulting practice and all the training programs. But it was born out of a single idea. And it was this, that the purpose of sales is not to close the customer. That's what we think the purpose of sales is. And that's why when you are desperate for money, you act in those self-serving ways. That's why people say, I don't want to sell myself. Oh, ick, I have to sell. But when you shift it and you yeah. say... The noble purpose of sales is to improve life for the customer. Everything changes. And, and so what happened was that was something that I always sort of knew instinctively, but I ended up doing a study for a client on uh, a study of their sales organization. And our challenge was to identify what differentiated the top performers. And the difference between a good sales performer and a poor sales performer is pretty easy to spot. You know, product knowledge, they yeah, make sales. Yeah. Like we know that, it's teachable skills. But the difference between good and exceptional is harder yep. to put your finger on. Mm -hmm. And what the study revealed was that the exceptional performers had this thing we now call noble purpose. Okay. They spoke and thought about their clients completely differently and it showed up in the sales numbers. 
I love that. I love that. I love that. And two things come from, to my mind for that. First of all, the fact that you, this idea was born in the amidst adversity is something that's funny enough. I just did that podcast recently and talking about seeing opportunities in adversity. I think we've been released like a couple of, um, you know, I think a couple of, a couple of weeks ago and it, it fits in perfectly there's always opportunities and adversity and the fact that you're able to recognize it is this is the reason why you're here right now and secondly i love what you just said about having this noble purpose because this is something that i talk about all the time that that making money is easy and the way to make money there's only two you know two ways you can make money is through either selling your services or product and if you sell with the you know with the person in mind that how are you going to solve their problems you're actually solving the problems through your product or your services if your goal is to solve people's problems not to gain their cash then that's when you gain most customers because you're doing it to help them solve their problems and thereby it's a win-win situation they remunerate you with money and you are helping solve the problem right. so i think this is absolutely perfect and it goes really exactly with the kind of thing that i sort of teach in you know in my um in my teachings so now let's focus on this now i know i i talk about this thing that's opportunity and diversity and the fact that you were able to come up with this phenomenal idea in the midst of this as well but how do you change your mindset? How do you, how do you allow yourself to think? Because one of the main questions that comes up for me is, well, how do I think positively? How do I not show that I'm desperate when I have bills to pay, when there's, you know, foreclosure happening or, you know, all of that? How did you change your mindset or how did you, how did you actually, yeah, how do you adapt your mindset, Lisa, in those circumstances? Well, there's two answers. One is a deeply personal answer and there's some things that you can do yourself. Yeah. The other that we figured out over the last five years of consulting with major corporations is there's an ecosystem answer. Mm-hmm. And by ecosystem answer, this applies to entrepreneurs and major multinational corporations. Mm-hmm. And it's, is your ecosystem pointing you towards close the deal, close the deal, close the deal? Or is your ecosystem pointing you towards making a difference to customers? And so I'll tell you, it can all be summed up in one question. It needs to be the central driving force at an organizational level and at an individual level. It's, we call it the game-changing question. And the question is this, how will the customer be different as a result of doing business with us? And the reason that this is important at both these levels, I'll go through them both with you. As an individual, if I've got bills to pay, and honey, I have been there, that is that fear that's igniting your amygdala, that's yep. igniting your fear, that, and that's real. You're not a yep. bad for thinking that you're human that's the way we think I got to feed my family and our little brain goes from oh my gosh I don't have enough money to college oh my gosh I can't make this month's mortgage oh my gosh I'm going to be homeless I'm going to have to live in my parents basement oh shit my parents are dead now I'm going to be on the side of the street bam two seconds my brain is there so I've been there so what you've got to do is you've got to train your brain differently give it that moment listen to that little niggle and go ha I know you're in there I know you're trying to keep me safe, but I'm going to ask you to be quiet for a few minutes while I do this sales call, okay? Just like you talk to a toddler when you get on a Zoom call. And then you need to ask yourself this question because you can't just say, don't be afraid. You've got to point yourself towards something else because your brain is looking for something to attach itself to. Yep, absolutely. That is where you ask this question. How will the customer be different as a result of doing business with me? I could help them with this. I could help them with this. What other ways could you help them? What do you need to know in order to help them? Like you got to get your brain out of your, you know, little fearful mind mm-hmm. into your customer's reality. So that's at an individual level. Just ask this question at an organizational level. I'll take it up. If you're coaching 
a sales team and we've worked with leaders that coach global sales team, this single question in most pipeline reviews, what do you say? When are you going to close it? How much is it going to be? When can we collect the money? Who's mm-hmm. the competition? Those are all important. But when we coach leaders to ask a seller, how will the customer be different as a result of doing business with us? They shift from that transactional, all about me seller yep. to this selling with noble purpose and selling towards customer impact. When we start asking chief revenue officers, when they start asking that questions of their teams, that's where long-term strategy sits. Because otherwise, you just end up in this very reactive, we're going to beat the competition, which is not really a strategy. It's just a mantra. But when you start asking from the top of the organization all the way through to to where it's a beating question inside the heart of every seller, how will the customer be different as a result of doing business with us? Two things happen. You create competitive differentiation in the market and you create emotional engagement for the seller, which translates into emotional engagement for the customer. And instead of being emotionally engaged in the, oh shit, I got to hit my number. I'm not going to be able to eat. My boss is going to be pissed at me. They come to, oh my gosh, I can really help this customer. Yeah. That's the sales team. And in this COVID crisis, when everyone's making calls on Zoom, your, your intent, your seller's intent is read like that. Yeah, it's, it's very transparent, very transparent. And the, the, the need and the greed will be, would be red flags that will show up instant, instantly. Yeah. More so than in an in-person conversation. Mm. I had a client who's a VP of HR um, mm. for a very large company. So she, a lot of people make sales calls on her. And she said what was tolerable in an in-person conversation is intolerable in a Zoom. In online, one, yeah. Yeah, once you strip away the handshake, the sitting down, the, oh, you have a nice office, all the niceties are gone and you're just yeah. leaning into the conversation. Those transactional graspy sellers, they're so off-putting. And they yeah. do more harm than good to your company's reputation. Oh, completely, completely understand that. Now, I think that, that was a great tip. And I think that's great um, you know, for us to take away. But I, I want to take things a bit more personal to you. How, do you, how did you, when amidst of all that diversity and you have this great ideas coming, how did you control your energy from going into the need and the greed, like I have to do this, mm-hmm. to, you know, I know these, these strategies work, you know, and, and they're brilliant and I can see how they helped you. But how do you do control that needy side? Like, is it going to work? Can I make it work? Will it work? So it's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. And so when you say, how do you control it? In my own case, I would say not perfectly, but enough. (laughs) And you just okay, I'm going to be 30% today. I'm going to be thinking about them. The other 70%, I'm still going to be desperate about me. If you can just start to work those numbers more in the customer's favor than your own. But I'll tell you one thing that really helped me. It is the simplest thing. And this one actually is easy. Mm -hmm. The concept of putting yourself and thinking, how can I make a difference to the customer is simple. That's not easy to do every day, but this tip I'll give you is easy. One of the things that helped me, and we call it the 10-second game changer, Mm -hmm. is literally before you were going to have that customer interaction, all you have is the moment in front of you. Your bills are going to be your bills. Your crisis is going to be your crisis. All you have is that moment with that customer. And so the 10-second game changer is breathe and think, I'm here to make a difference. I have a plan. And I'm also flexible. I love that. I love that. Yeah. 
I love that. And I think in that moment, your energy changes because you've changed your focus. And when you've changed your focus and you change your energy, instantly you've calmed down. And now you're in a place where you're serving. Okay, how can I serve? I'm always talking about this. Go whatever relationship, doesn't matter what the interaction is, whoever you're interacting with, whatever relation that is, be it professional or personal, come from the angle of serving. Like, how can I serve you? How can I best serve you in whatever capacity you're in? And especially, that's even more important in the, in the capacity of sales because you're serving them. You're helping them resolve their problems, right? And they will feel it. And so one thing, um, we have a, a new edition of Selling with Noble Purpose coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time this airs, it may already be out. And we outlined some of the most, some of the things that people found were most helpful in the book. And one of the things was this 10 second game changer. Mm-hmm. And what one sales rep told me when they started doing it, it literally takes 10 seconds. Like in the time when they say the host is waiting to let you in, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> that can be your little cue. The host is waiting to let you in. And one of the things that a sales rep said to me that was really powerful is he said, I realized if I have 30 minutes with this person, and my tendency is to pitch product and try and close. He said, I realize if I lean in to the other person and say, how can I help you? And it's not going the way I want. And I have a half an hour. I can spend the last 15 minutes being my old self. But if I start that way, that graspy pitching, pitching person, I can't recover. So at least give it a whirl at the beginning of the conversation. And, And I do want to give a watch out here. One of the things that we put in the book that people have found really helpful is 10 great questions to ask your customer. And it's almost like a little Mad Libs thing where we put the structure of the question, you just insert your industry into it. Because a lot of salespeople will think, oh, focus on the customer. So I should ask them, what keeps you up at night? What are your biggest challenges? In theory, that's correct. Mm. People have time for that. You should have done your homework beforehand. You should know. Oh, you're in software. So probably one of your biggest challenges right now is recurring revenue. And you're trying to keep all your customers engaged and make sure that your renewals come in the way that you want them to and that you continue to be sole source. So a question like instead of what keeps you up at night might be, you know, how are you ensuring that you keep your current contracts and that you stay profitable on these deals? That would be a better question. Agreed. And so, and so I've gone from this big esoteric idea of showing up in an open-hearted, compassionate way and helping others down to the, the micro of asking questions, mm-hmm. but they are all connected. Of course. Because if everything you're doing is in the service of your clothes, your client will read that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to come back to this point that when you, when you lead with the pushy and the salesy sort of sleazy tactics, yeah. You, you're as a client, as a person, as someone being sold to, I switch off in instant, and I'm like, mm, no, yeah. this isn't for me. I don't think so. And if the questions, if you haven't done your homework, if the questions aren't connecting to me specifically, if they're very, very generic, as you just mentioned. Again, I switch off. It doesn't yeah. matter how much I, you know, you feel like you're saying, oh, you're trying to be my best friend and ask about my family and my kids and my cat and so forth. But if you're coming to me without done, without doing the homework, without yeah. being real, really genuine in terms of, so, okay, cool. What's your issue? Let me work out what is your, your issue. How can I help you? I'm going to switch off. So yeah. that's the same thing, isn't it? It's about listening and doing your homework beforehand. And, yeah. being, and being ready to serve, whether you get the sale or not, right? It's- right. Well, and one of the things is when you, if you've ever watched a situation where someone is really attached to making something happen, mm. you see 
that that reads this really aggressive way. And there's a mm. big difference. One of the things I want people to take away from this call um, is there's a big difference between being aggressive and being assertive. Yeah. Selling with noble purpose, what we identified in our research was these noble purpose sellers are actually very assertive, but they are assertive on behalf of helping the client. People who are aggressive tend to be aggressive on behalf of themselves. Yes. Being aggressive is about you. Being assertive is about, I really think I can help you. I want to talk to you some more about this. It, they're two nuanced, yeah. but quite distinctly different things. Mm. So, you know, I know that, that you asked about my own journey. And so I want to go back and, and share something that really helped me. Because mm -hmm. I realized, you know, sometimes things aren't clear to you until you reflect. Yes. And course. I realized that when we faced that economic um, crisis, for mm -hmm. us, an economic yeah. crisis, I realized that one of the things that I really had going for me, and I only see this upon reflection, but I had thought deeply about who I wanted to be in the world and who, what I wanted to stand for. And the reason I think that that's so important now is I see this happens individually and organizationally. If you have tethered yourself to a number, I'm a million dollar producer. Yeah. If you have tethered yourself to, you know, I'm the top sales rep or I have XYZ job. If you have tethered yourself to something external like that, you're going to have a really hard time with resilience and it's going to be really hard for you to show up as your best self. But if you can tether yourself to something that is actually more concrete, it sounds abstract, but it's actually more concrete. Like I'm a person who helps customers. That doesn't go away when your sales numbers are down. I am a person who uh, knows how to be helpful to others. I am a person who is always looking for the best in others. I tether yourself to something like that, and that gives you the resilience, and the research bears this out, that gives you the resilience to, in the face of setbacks, you can still show up as your best self. And that was one of the things that really helped me. And I, I felt like it was, again, it was very personal. I knew that I was a very good salesperson and I knew that I could go out and sell stuff. The question was, how did I want to do it? And, and I think that this applies to organizations right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Probably go out and drum up some revenue, but are you doing it in a way that is going to be sustainable in a way that you're going to retain those customers in a way that you're going to improve your market reputation. And so for me, I was at this very critical juncture and that's where selling with noble purpose was born. And what I see now with our clients is the clients that we've worked with for several years, we've got some examples on our website. If you just Google selling a noble purpose, you'll see these three people, three CEOs and videos. And what we saw with those companies when they have this clarity of noble purpose that's bigger than money, yeah. when the crisis hits, boy, they know what to do. Yeah. They know yeah. what to do. They're resilient. Their people are aligned. We have one firm as a bank, a commercial bank, and their purpose is we fuel prosperity. And boy. What a lovely purpose. Isn't it? I love that. One. I love that. We helped them create that. The whole senior leadership team, we worked together to create I that. I love that tagline. I love it. And then we cascaded it down. Well, it's interesting because it has become a tagline, but it's much more than that. It is a driver for sales behavior. So when the crisis hit, Every seller that they have knew, oh, I've got to check in with all my clients. I've got to see how this is affecting them. They already had that orientation. And so if you are in a transactional space yourself right now, or if you are in a transactional firm, there's a great Chinese proverb. 
and it is the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. if you had your double purpose before, great. But the second best time is today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree. So, so if you are someone that is an entrepreneur and you are thinking, how am I going to survive this? The first place you want to look is how do I make a difference to my customers? In the book, there's a, a methodology that we walk you through these three key questions. How do I make a difference to my customers? How do I do it differently than my competition? And on your best day, what do you love about your job? Those three things define your noble purpose and define your narrative. Then you can turn to the sales activity that you probably need, but it needs to be fueled by that. Perfect. 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 Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. So on parting terms, can you give us uh, one tip that you'd give to someone who may be experiencing the sort of crisis that you experienced back in 2010 and thinking, well, Lisa, it's all well and good for you, but you know, you came out of it, you already were a good salesperson or, you know, you're able to get through. How can I turn my life around? So what tip or what advice would you give to someone who may be experiencing the same sort of turmoil or bankruptcy or facing bankruptcy? Because then we know there are many, many businesses which are going belly up at the moment. So what advice would you have for them? So the first thing that I would say is you are not your revenue number. Agreed. You are not your income. 100%. Yeah. You are not the money that you make. Those things matter. And providing for your family is important. But that is not, that is not the core of who you are. If you had the initiative and the drive to start a business, to go into sales, to show up every day for work. If you had the initiative and you could do those things, you can do the next thing. You might not know what the next thing is, but you can do the next thing. Agreed. And where you'll find the next thing is not with this frantic level of activity. Where you'll find the next thing is by looking internally yeah. and saying, who am I and why am I here? And I can guarantee you why you're on this earth is not just to make money. Who am I? Why am I here? How do I make a difference to people? And build from that. It doesn't take that long, but that level of internal reflection and tethering yourself to something bigger than money, the data tells us firms with a purpose bigger than money outperform the market by 350%. Sellers who sell with noble purpose outsell quota-driven sellers. And here's the other thing. People with a noble purpose bigger than money experience more happiness every single day. Absolutely, absolutely. And the, I, I, I absolutely, 110% love that because I always say money becomes a byproduct. I am, I'm always teaching about money mindset, but the idea is to actually accept money and allow money. But in order for you to have money in the first place, you have to come and do something which is bigger than money. You have to have, exactly what you said, your purpose has to be much bigger than money. And that will allow you abundance, not just in your finances, but abundance in your happiness, in your health, in your relationships. And that's what we're after because just going after money itself is a very, um, it's a very lonely profession to be fair, to be honest, because you can, you can make money by, by cutting out everything else. And I know I have this one particular person who comes to mind. He's, he's focused completely on, on business and he's a fantastic entrepreneur. I think he's eight figure at the moment going into nine figures. And I listen to him and he's brilliant when it comes to his, um, his way of sales, his funnels, etc. But I, I think about his life and I think, Oh, <laughs> you know, he's, he doesn't have family. He has no interest in having family. He's, he puts his, girlfriend on time for, for an hour a day or something and I think <laughs> that's a very lonely life to lead so. it is and and I'll tell you you know we all have our own journey yes, I will tell absolutely. you that we went from um, bankruptcy to a seven-figure business and wow. um, in a pretty short period of time 
And the thing that I want to emphasize about that is, is we often create a false dichotomy between, and that's why sales has such a bad rap, which is part of my job is to erase that, is we create this false dichotomy. I can be a good person. I can, um, you know, serve others or I can make a lot of money. And yes, the, data exactly. us, the data tells us a very different story. Absolutely. We know that there are people like this guy you mentioned, who knows mm-hmm. if he's living his best life or his worth life. Mm-hmm. We know that there are greedy people. We know that there are horrible people that have made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. The data tells us something though. Those people are actually in the major in the minority. Yes. Of the people who do well as entrepreneurs or inside companies are the people who combine these two things. The profit and the purpose are connected. And the purpose, actually, the profit is a lagging indicator. It follows. And so one thing I want to do want to be really clear about this is declaring your noble purpose and understanding what it is and how you make a difference to customers is step one. There's some actual work involved. You do need to make the calls. You do need to send the emails. You do need to create the calls. Yes, of course. You have to take action. Yeah. You have to take some action. But yeah. what this does is, the example I use is it's like ice skating where there's the technical merit score and the artistic impression score. You got to get the technical merit all right. The top of the funnel, the this, yeah. all these things. Uh, you've got to get that right, but those are table stakes. What Noble Purpose does is it adds this level of artistic impression that makes it easier for other people to engage. And if you look at the Olympics, nobody wins on technical merit. The same thing happens in the marketplace. Technical merit will be all the major players, but it's the artistic impression. It's the level of engagement. It's a level of authenticity. And that, that's, what, that's where our business sits in terms of sales transformation is really helping an entire sales team just take it to the next level so that they become so compelling, they draw the market to them and they increase their win rate. Perfect, perfect, perfect. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Lisa. Lisa, can you give us um, where we can find you online? We will give all of these links on the show notes as well, but just for your, you know, just that you're here, do tell us where we can find you on the internet. Uh, Google Noble Purpose, and there will be um, uh, two things I would direct people to. One is Google Noble Purpose. You'll see on our website, there's a couple of CEOs talking about this transformation. Ask yourself, is that what I want for me? Is that what I want for, for me and for my company? If so, reach out to us. The other place I'll tell you for individual contributors is we are on LinkedIn. We do a free LinkedIn Live every Friday. I've got a LinkedIn uh, newsletter that people can sign up for. All this stuff is free. And the last thing I'll tell people is our new book is Selling with Noble Purpose. And we can put a link in the show notes. Uh, We have a free, if you do a pre-order on it now, we have a free assessment where you can identify whether you're an entrepreneur, a seller, or a company. You can identify whether you are a transactional seller or you are a noble purpose seller. And it gives you some tips in how to turn into a noble purpose seller. And that is free. Brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Lisa. You are a powerhouse. I saw your, it's the details beforehand. I knew this was going to be a phenomenal interview. You have, you've just far exceeded my expectations. You're amazing. And I believe the listeners will get so much value from this podcast. So thank you so much for being here. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. Likewise, a true pleasure. 
And for those watching or listening to this, thank you so much for joining us. I will be back with another amazing entrepreneur speaking about their journey and giving you some amazing inspiration on the way. So this, until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, www.gulkhan.com. That's G-U-L-L-K-H-A-N.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day millionaire mindset makeover challenge, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.millionairemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in our next five-day challenge. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan. Take care and bye for now.